Amen. Thank you, praise team. If you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6 this morning, as we continue to glorify Him, not just through our singing, but also now as we submit our hearts and our lives to the truth of His Word, glorifying Him in what we believe as we read it, glorifying Him in what we do as we read it. Now, certainly believing is one of the things that we do. Uh, but it's foundational for all the other things uh, that he calls us to do as well. And, and we're going to see him calling his, his apostles to some special duty uh, in this particular passage this morning from Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 1. We're going to re- read the, part that, uh, the passage that we looked over last week as we set it up then for this morning's passage. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that that has been given him, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives and his own in his own house, is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whatever you, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Amazing. Just amazing. Think about it. Think about these 12 guys, these 12 special disciples that he had appointed earlier, and we saw that in previous passages, that he appointed earlier to be his apostles, his sent ones. That's what the word means. And here... He sends them out. Do you know how bad they probably did? Compared to him? That's the comparison I'm making. Not compared to me or some other preacher. Imagine what they sounded like compared to him. And still, he sent them out. Kind of like, Some of you are are 
raising kids or grandkids or some of you remember when you were being raised or you're currently being raised as a kid or grandkid. And I mean, I remember specifically my dad having me help him with something. As I think back on it now, probably wasn't a whole lot of help going on there. I was helping him take a lot longer to do whatever that job was than it would have taken him if he had just gotten out there and gotten it done. Which is why lots of dads never teach their kids anything. Because you can't get anything done that way. And if, you're, if, you're, if your whole purpose in life is getting something done, then you don't have kids around to help you. Unless one of the things that you're trying to get done in your life is to help kids be able to do something. Which probably plays in a lot to what Jesus is doing here. Because God in his wisdom decided to only come into this world as the God-man, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, for just a few short years. He could have done it any number of different ways than that. But in his wisdom, he knew that the best way to accomplish his purposes in this world and in this universe and in his creation was to send his son, his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world for a few short years. And because that was his decision, because that was his choice, because that was the exercise of his amazing, infinite wisdom, he knew that when he left, he needed to have these guys ready. And so he sent them out. And he didn't, and, and, the, and the sending out wasn't an easy ask, an easy command. He sent them out without stuff. I mean, not only, he didn't, you know, this isn't in here, but not only did he not, they did not have any earbuds, all right, for the walk. I mean, you know, I feel bad in my neighborhood. I'm the only guy who walks without earbuds. So I say hi, and they don't know I said hi. You know, or they don't know what I said. They saw that my lips moved, but they, you know, he sent these guys out without anything, just sandals, no extra tunic, no extra food, no bag of stuff, no money. In the... I'm thinking about that. Why did he send them out with nothing? And then we think about the things that he's been teaching them. You know, think of, think of the, the lessons that the Lord Jesus taught his disciples. Some of, the, some of the amazing statements he would make to them. You know, like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things, speaking about food and shelter and, these, and clothing and this kind of thing, all these other things will be added to you. He's given them a chance to live that out. Because they're going to need on this, you know, we don't know how long this assignment was. We don't know, you know, the details of, of how much ground they covered. But they're going to be gone for some time because he makes the mention about when you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. So they're going to be in that, in that same village for a while and then they're going to go to another one. So this is going to be some time. They're going to need some food. They're going to need to wash their clothes and put something else on while they're washing those clothes. And they're not allowed to take the extra tunic. So they're going to be dependent on somebody for something, for a lot, for the longevity of this trip, of this journey. And what, what they found out, 
as they obeyed him and, and went without anything except for the staff and the sandals and the tunic. The guy came through for him. He provided for them. Mostly probably through those homes that they ended up staying at. Again, what, what an adventure. What an adventure for the host family. See these, these guys coming in and, and preaching a very strange message. Now, now again, the word had gotten out that Jesus had been teaching that Jesus had been doing miracles, that Jesus, and again, the word probably got out that Jesus was, was, was teaching and preaching about repentance, turning away from our sins and turning to God, teaching about the kingdom of God being in him. So a, a, a very different, strange message. And, and honey, what do you think? Should we let these, should we let these two guys stay here? How long, is, how long is it going to be? I don't know. They didn't say. You know, yeah, let's do it. And there were a lot of that. There was a lot of that going on because these guys had success in various towns around there. So people were letting them in their homes and, and letting them stay there. And their needs were being met. Just like Jesus said they would be. And they had the amazing opportunity and experience to cast demons out of people. And again, the amazing thing of that isn't, isn't even just the power to do that, but the opportunity to help these people that were so messed up in their lives that demons were living in them. And we, we can't even imagine how messed up those lives were. And how they were able, by the power that Jesus gave them, God's own power, they were able to deliver these people from those demons. And then also to anoint the sick with oil and to see them healed. Amazing. Amazing results. And, the, and then also, along with those miracles that were happening, they were preaching, again, this message of repentance, turning away from their sins and turning to God and looking to Jesus, the Son of God, that the, that the apostles were also teaching about and preaching about. All of these things are amazing. But there's still another equally incredibly amazing thing about it. Who these guys were and what he had done in their lives to bring them to the point that he would use them like this. Remember who these guys were. Remember, remember the descriptions that we get of them along the way. You know? Fishermen. Not the highest class people, you know, in, in Galilee. They're okay, normal kind of guys, but just ordinary, regular, generally kind of smelly guys. You know, they're the ones going out. Or a tax collector, former tax collector, because doing this kind of work, he wasn't doing a lot of tax collecting. As he was part of the two by two of the twelve te- of the of the six teams going out, he was one of one of them going out to do something different than collect taxes. One was a zealot. That was his that was his main thing. A zealot, a guy who was fired up about the politics of the day. Know any of those? 
That was, that was his main thing. And, and, and many times zealots aren't the most popular guys on the street. Unless they're around the other zealots that believe the same thing they do. But if they're, if they're in opposition to the, to what's going on, they're, no, not that guy again. That was part of this crew. And God decided that he was going to use them, not only on this trip, but lots of trips like this. Their lives, after Jesus was crucified and rose again and then ascended to the Father, after all that, these guys did some traveling. These guys did some preaching. These guys saw some stuff. These guys wrote most of the New Testament as they were doing what they were supposed to do. And, and you can read about the, the, the prophecies about the work that they were going to do in John 13 through 17. All right, Mark doesn't go, go to the detail that John did in this regard. But as you read John 13 through 17, you'll see the predictions that Jesus was making about what was going to happen to these guys when the Holy Spirit came into them and how he was going to use them and, and write through them and speak through them and do amazing things through them. These guys are amazing. And, and they're, they're still amazing. They're still, they're still living today. They're not running around doing what they were doing you know, back in the day. They're in glory right now. And they're always going to be amazing. Did you know that the new Jerusalem that God's going to make after this heaven and earth is destroyed, and he makes a new heaven and earth with a new Jerusalem in it, the new Jerusalem is going to have 12 foundations, and the names of those foundations are the names of these 12 apostles. We're never going to forget about these guys. And they're just ordinary people who were changed by the power of God. Amazing. And part of their message... The, the message of these apostles, not yet, but later as they wrote their message, part of their message is that God will use regular non-apostle people like us to also do his work. Because remember, the apostles were only 12 guys and the world they were sent into was big. 12 guys couldn't get that job done alone. They had to do the same kinds of things that Jesus did in sending them out and preparing them and training them. They had to do that same kind of thing throughout their entire ministries. And the people that those guys trained, that those 12 trained, they kept training others and others and others until finally we're singing this song this morning from the Old Testament about declaring his glory among the nations. And we recognize, wait a minute, that's us right now here, right here. We're in the nations. We're a long way from where that, those lyrics were written. We're a part of the peoples that are praising. We're a part of the nations that are being glad this morning. Because God decided to use ordinary human beings like us to accomplish his plans and purposes. Starting with his apostles. Well, I can't say starting with them. God had also done a lot through the, the patriarchs of the Old Testament, a lot through the prophets of the Old Testament. But in this New Testament, in this church era that he's about to institute, 
he decided to start with these 12 apostles and through them, those that they reached and trained and sent out and on and on it goes until finally, as of right now, here it is. This, this is one of the outposts of, of what started on a day like this. A long way from where it started. Because a lot of people, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and remember how that power comes to us? Remember what the Word of God teaches. That when we hear the gospel, when, when we hear the good news about Jesus, the Holy Spirit opens our, our, our ears and our eyes to see it and to understand it so that we will believe it. And the moment we believe it, he comes into our lives and forgives us of all our sins and gives us the power to live our lives for God, to obey God, to live for his glory. All of these different ways that we say this. The Holy Spirit enables us to do that because we believe in him. When we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And so now we are equipped, as these men were specially equipped by Jesus for this special task, all of us who believe are equipped in our lives now to represent him and to live for his glory, to speak for him, to talk about some of the same things that his apostles talked about when they were out preaching. To be involved in the, in the, in the changing and healing of lives. Maybe not as dramatic as, as some of their encounters with demons and, and, and healing of, of illnesses and those kind of things. But God uses His people to help people in every way in their lives. It's an amazing thing. And this morning, it's important for us to recognize that what he started with his apostles, and, and, and I'm not in any way equating the work that we do to the work of the apostles. Their work was unique and their work was special, but it was also foundational for all of our work. Their work is what gives us the message for our work. The Gospel of Mark, for example, a product of the apostles. Now, Mark himself wasn't one of the twelve, but he's a close companion with a number of the 12, especially Peter. And so without the apostles, we don't have the gospel of Mark. We don't have what we're studying, what we're reading right now. And all of the epistles and all of the gospels are like that. And so we have what we speak, we have what we believe, we have what we share through the apostles. And so our, our work isn't on the, on the same level as theirs. But nonetheless, our work is important, and it's vital, and it's done by God through us. It's not something that we can do on our own. And, like the apostles, our work will be done with his provision. He's going to provide for us in our lives to do the work that he's called us to do, just as he did these guys. Again, this was a temporary trip where he was showing them this, where he was helping them to understand this, but they learned that, and then they saw, hey, we don't have to worry about stuff. Period. We don't have to worry about stuff, whether it's physical stuff, material stuff, or emotional stuff, or relational stuff, or legal stuff. We don't have to worry. Because God's going to take care of us. 
Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to always work everything out just the way that we think that it would be best for him to work it out. In fact, usually, the way that we think it would be best for him to work it out, usually we're off in some way or another on that. And he does it somewhat differently. For example, the Apostle Paul, when he was stoned outside of town, you can read about this in the Acts, when he was stoned, that he probably wasn't thinking that was one of the ways that God was going to take care of him. But, turned out it was. It turned out that God used that stoning, that terrible experience where he was left for dead, that God used that in the Apostle Paul's life and through him in the lives of thousands of other people and then through his word, through millions of people. And so it's, it's no joke when we say, even though God has promised to provide and he doesn't always do it just the way that we ask him to, he will provide. He's going to accomplish his plans and his purposes in and through us as he's designed. And it's our opportunity and responsibility, as it was these apostles, to cooperate, to participate, to do what he says, to take the opportunities, to open our mouths at certain times when we're a little uncomfortable doing so, realizing what it is we're opening our mouths about and and what's at stake in the opening of our mouths. Simple things like just in the midst of, of, of the people that we work with or family members who don't know Christ or, or other acquaintances, just simple things like thanking God, you know, verbally thanking God for, for something that's happened in our lives. And they think, that's weird. And some of them will, will, will enter into that statement that you may say, why do you do that? I don't get that. And then we get to explain to them about this relationship that we have with Almighty God. The, the creator and sustainer of the very air that we breathe, that we were singing about this morning. They don't know him. They, they had, they've never thought about breathing before, except for when they can't breathe very well. Through their daily lives, they don't think about the fact, and we don't do this too often, that it's God in his sustaining power and faithfulness and grace that he makes this air to work in all of our lungs, all around the world, and has been for generations. It's an amazing thing. They never thought about that. Now, I'm not suggesting that that we use that one as the example of praising God in the conversation. But it wouldn't be a bad one from time to time to take a deep breath and say, praise God for this great air. Okay. Maybe you get that opportunity to explain it. And from there, where can we go? To what God has done for us in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. These, these simple common graces that we all experience, that everybody experiences, whether they love Jesus or never heard of him or not, all these common graces, these things that we get to enjoy as human beings that he's provided for us, they all point to his special grace through Jesus Christ. And we get to use those opportunities. We get to use those statements. We get to use those things that God is doing. The amazing 
season that we've just entered into. Remember, this is the first day of fall. I mean, the first Sunday of fall. Let's use it. As we're enjoying it, as we're talking about the beauty of it, let's include a mention of praising God for the beauty of this thing or the amazement of this thing. Because what God does is amazing. Now, thinking about him being amazing, I wanted to make one mention of of something that he mentioned in the verse, the last verse that we talked about last week, where it says he was amazed at the lack of faith in Nazareth. Let's, let's remember this whenever we see a statement like this, that we understand that the only way that we can understand God is through the language that we have. Okay? And so Jesus wasn't amazed like, how should I say this? Jesus wasn't amazed at the lack of faith in, in Nazareth like the Georgia Bulldog fans were amazed that Kent State could score that many points on them yesterday. All right? I'm literally, Georgia Bulldog fans were amazed at that. All right? Because they didn't see that coming. Understand this about Jesus. Jesus sees everything coming. So he wasn't amazed at the lack of faith in Nazareth like, man, I had no idea that there wouldn't be any faith in this town. He knew when he went into that town, there was no faith in that town. But to help us understand who he is as fully God, fully man, and to, and to, and to help us relate to him, he's using this human language to describe him in our terms that he's amazed at their lack of faith. He knew all about their lack of faith. Did not surprise him. He knew which ones there did have faith. Because remember, he did do some healing in that town. There were, there were a few people who had faith. And he knew, he knew who they were. He knew it was, he knew they had it before he walked in. He knew who had it when he walked out. But we need to understand that when we see these words, these human kind of words describing the Lord Jesus or God himself or, or the Father or the Holy Spirit, we have to understand these are words that are given us so that we can understand him better and understand his heart better. See, he desires people to believe in him. And when they don't, first of all, it makes absolutely no sense to not believe in him. Even, even us sinful people, we get to see the, the fall. We get to see his creation. It makes no sense why we wouldn't submit to him. But because of the evil in our hearts, because of our sinful deeds, Romans chapter 1 says, we see these things and we reject those things as being from him and we figure out a way to, help, to, to use those things to worship ourselves or to worship other people or other things. That's our tendency. And it's amazing that God in his wisdom, while he was in a human sense amazed at their lack of faith, it's amazing that he decided to use those of us that used to be weak in our faith or had none, that he would use us to help other people understand who he is and what he's done and how much he loves us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, there's a lot of amazement here. Let the word of God amaze you. 
Spend enough time in it. Go slow enough. Again, I want to encourage you to be reading your Bibles regularly, but, but not in such a way as, I mean, I got to get through this and, and zoom through it without reading it. You know, that happens. It, it becomes just a, a, a habit or, or a perfunctory action that we just got to do, you know, to make sure our day goes well or something like that. That's not what I'm saying. Read the word in such a way that you can be amazed by it. Ask yourself questions. Ask God questions of it as you're reading it. Think about it. Stop. Give, give yourself a little time to think as you read it. You read a passage like the one that we're looking at this morning, and you're, and you're looking at those 12 guys, and you're thinking, why them? There is nothing special about those guys. Now, God does know our hearts, and God does know all the things that are going to happen, and so he knows these are very special guys. These are guys that are going to respond to his call. These are guys that are going to obey him all the way, with the exception of one. Remember, that one didn't surprise him either. He knew he was in there the whole time. I'm speaking of Judas Iscariot. Jesus wasn't shocked when Judas got up out of the supper that night. And I mentioned that passage in John 13 through 17. Well, as Jesus is giving that discourse that night, Judas got up and left. After Jesus said, what you got to do, go do quickly. And again, the other, the other apostles thought, oh, you know, he takes care of the money. He's probably going out to give some poor people some money or something. No. He was going out to collect his 30 pieces of silver and he was going to lead them to Jesus when he took them out to the garden of Gethsemane to deny him, to, to betray him. It didn't surprise Jesus. It amazed him probably in that sense, but it didn't surprise him. And he was replaced. He was replaced by Matthias and at least one other apostle we know of the, of the apostle Paul. But 12 in particular had these special callings. Take some time to look at those guys. Take some time to think about those guys. The fact that they're just real, regular people. The fact that most of them, and we know, we know at least some of them were married, and how this assignment that Jesus was giving them was impacting their family life and their marriage. There's lots of stuff to think about. Because these are just real people, regular people, like all of us who have some very similar opportunities that they did to be used of him, to represent him, to speak for him in our lives, in our circle of friends, in our world. Just like he used some people to speak to us, he's going to use us to speak to some people. And we, like those people mentioned in the passage that Mark read this morning in Isaiah 52, we can be among those who have beautiful feet because we're the ones that have joined this great army of people, this great host of ambassadors to tell the good news of what God has done for us, of what God has said in his word, of what God has promised to everyone who believes. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your special calling of your apostles. Thank you for using them in such an amazing way, for equipping them by your spirit, by the knowledge of your teaching, 
by the special ideal opportunities that you selected for them to learn the lessons they needed to do the work when you left and then to teach others who taught others who eventually taught us. And now here we are teaching others. Help us. Help us to take our responsibility in this very seriously. Help us to ready ourselves for the opportunities through the reading of your your word, through the sharing of your word with one another, through the listening even of what we're doing this morning, listening as we all together share in in this teaching together. We thank you for it and pray that you would use all of it to use us like you use them. Oh, not to write your word, but to speak it, to share it, to live it, to glory in it, in its truths. And Father, we will praise you for any fruit that you would bring from that sharing of good news. We pray for any who are here this morning or watching us online who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus. They've heard the good news. They've heard about Jesus being perfect. They've heard about Jesus being your only son. They've heard about Jesus dying on the cross. They've heard of him rising again from the dead. They've heard of him ascending to the heavens. They've heard the fact that he's going to return. They've heard that he gives life to all who believe and that he judges those who reject him. They've heard all of those things. We pray that you would give them the faith and the courage the wisdom to believe in Jesus this morning, to avert the coming judgment and to receive the gifts that only Jesus can give, the forgiveness of sins by the power of your Holy Spirit and the promise, the guarantee of eternal life with you forever. Give them the faith and courage to receive him today. Help them not to wait. And Father, help us not to wait to tell our friends and acquaintances who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.